Welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where typically I interview outliers who are breaking the mold, but today I bring you a very special episode fueled by listener-submitted questions. We had over 25 topics submitted, and today I'm breaking down three of them. So thank you for your submissions, and let me know what you think of this special Bobcast episode. Welcome. This is Bop Solo, a solo version of the Bobcast. This entire podcast started with this. I was sitting in front of my computer expanding on my Instagram series, series quote unquote, called Monday Thoughts. If you've been with me for a while, um, you've, you probably remember Monday Thoughts. Years ago, it was probably 2018-ish, um, 2017, 2018, I would post these videos on Instagram, these one-minute videos, and they were about a certain topic, whether it was you know decision-making or maybe meditation or something about self-improvement, and I figured, why not expand on the ideas? So that was the origination of the Bobcast. So if you go all the way back to those first couple episodes, um, one of them is sitting in front of the computer and then the other one is sitting on the couch. So I'm back on the couch um, four years later uh, to do another Bob Solo episode by request. So how this originated, uh, this version of it is that I posted something on Instagram and Snapchat and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to do this solo episode. Is there anything that you would want to know? I expected to get a couple responses from from friends, but I actually got over 25 responses on different topics that I can cover. So my mindset going into this is how can I provide the most value while also you know keeping it informative and entertaining in a sense. But what I don't want to do here is ramble. I don't want to just talk about the topics without having some sense of arrangement. So what I did was today, I'd like to focus on a few things. One of them is side hustles because I feel like um, this is an important topic. I also have some opinions and some pushback on how side hustles are presented. And I also have a framework for how you can decide if a side hustle is right for you. Um, I'll tell my own story. And just to preface this, I'm not saying that my advice is going to work. I'm not guaranteeing any results. All that I can do here in this podcast is show you what I've done and what worked for me um, and then maybe what's worked for people that I know. Um, but I'm not here to say like this is the guaranteed way. This is this is guaranteed success. That just doesn't exist. Um, but what I can do is give you my own experience. My own experience stems from basically taking my side hustle and making it my main hustle, right? So it originated on, you know, a couple clients maybe five hours of work a week and now we have one person full-time and six people part-time on the team and I can go into the business and things like that Um, I'll probably do it later or maybe on the next one but to give context I my business did start as a side hustle Um, but by definition I don't consider this podcast a side hustle I don't even consider my music a side hustle so we can probably first get into definitions here so I'll start with this Um, the goal of a side hustle Um, It should be to make money, but also make money doing something that you enjoy doing. Um, But I'll say this. I don't think you have to love the thing that you're doing as a side hustle. So there's a story um, about a gentleman. He's an entrepreneur now, very successful. Um, And what he did was he had a couch um, that he bought that he realized that he didn't need. 
So he cleaned up the couch, he threw it on Facebook Marketplace, and he sold the couch, and he made like $300 on this couch. So he did it a couple more times, he ended up buying a truck for $1,500, and he was making $8,000 a month flipping couches after, before and after work. He even built a team and a business around it flipping couches. If I can find the exact video of this, I'll link it in the description below. Um, but that's to say that this guy wasn't obsessed with couches, he didn't love couches, he just found a side hustle from something that he was doing anyway, right? So I don't think that the side hustle has to be your passion. The side hustle, I think, should stem from something that you want to learn. It doesn't have to be something you want to love. So in my experience, what I did was I found that I enjoyed learning music production and music editing and audio editing. So what I did was I basically um, identified that that's the thing that I wanted to do. So I my need was that I didn't want to work at my regular job. And so I didn't say, okay, how can I make how can I make money with my music or how can I make money with my podcast? I went another route where I said, how can I do something where I'm going to learn a skill and then maybe go try to monetize that skill? So the first way that I would present this is the first step is identify, right? Identify the thing. The benefit of choosing something as a side hustle that is something you love to learn is that you'll always be willing to grow and learn that thing. What happens in business and what happens with side hustles, what happens with brands is that the initial excitement is amazing, right? That's what drives you. The initial excitement is what drives you to begin the thing. But there's something called the excitement curve, right? So it happens when you're beginning the thing. Oh my God, this is amazing. This is exciting. I can't wait to do this. Oh my God. And then you have to day in and day out. You have to continue <laughs> to do this thing that was so exciting in the beginning, right? Um, I don't think the excitement curve has to be like that, right? But inevitably, if you do something over and over and over again, you're going to get used to it. You might even get bored of it. So that's why choosing something as a side hustle that you love to learn about, not something that you love to do, though it could be, but something that you love to learn about is a great way to maintain at least a general level of excitement towards the thing you're doing. Um, because what's happened is most people are in jobs or making money from things or dedicating their time to things that they might not love or might not love learning, right? So this is a new thing. You're in control of this, and there's pros and cons that come along with that. But the first thing that I would say if you're going to choose a side hustle is you got to identify, right? So that's step one. What is the thing that I enjoy learning? And it's probably something you would do for free anyway, right? And that leads me to the next step of the side hustle approach. And this is something that with a side hustle, most people are probably going to skip because it's on the side. It's not a dedicated full-time thing. But once again, I'm speaking from my own experience here. All I did was I looked at what I did, zoomed out a little bit, and kind of put it into a rough framework. So once again, this is all coming from my own experience. Number two is apprentice. Apprentice means you're going to learn from somebody who does this at a professional level or a level above you. What I did is I had an opportunity to intern at a music studio. It's called The Vault Studio. We've had both the founders on this podcast, and you can go check those out. I'll link those below. But I had this opportunity to intern at a studio, and I had a mentor before this who sparked the idea in me. I was learning on my own, but 
what a apprenticeship can do is it can accelerate your learning and also accelerate the uh, learning from failure, right? And what I mean by that is you can learn from other people's failures. If you, why would you make the mistake if you can learn from somebody who made that mistake? They'll tell you what to do, right? So the apprenticeship portion of this I think is really important because it skips years. It allows you to not have to experience these things. Somebody else experienced them for you and then you could still take the value. The The trade-off with the apprenticeship is that it's time. You might be doing this for free. In my case, I worked for free. So I wasn't really working. I was more just observing. I was there in the studio watching and asking questions all day. Um, and I did that for a short period of time, maybe a couple months, maybe two or three months tops. Um, I would drive there about 45 minutes, stay for six to eight hours, drive 45 minutes home. Um, and I would just, I just lived off savings for that few months. Right. So once again, my own experience, that's why it's hard to be like, do this, then do this, then do this. I'm just putting this in a framework that worked for me. You may not be able to take two or three months off of your job. So your apprenticeship might be on YouTube. It might be on Google. It might be reading books. Mine was that as well. It was also combined with this in-person experience. So I think the apprenticeship is, it's just what it does is it shows you the end result so you can go, yeah, this is where I want to go or no, this isn't really want to go where I want to go with this. Um, and it also helps you accelerate the process, skip a lot of the failures and learn them all up front. In my case, I realized working at a studio that I didn't want to start an in-person studio. I also started my business in COVID. So that's one, um, you know, one factor to, to take note of there. But I had the idea for it bef the month before COVID started. So my idea was I'm already online, right? Why wouldn't I just stay online and see if I can do this online? So my apprenticeship also taught me that it also gave me the idea for the format that I wanted to go with for my own business. So step one, identify, right? I identified it's the audio editing, right? Step two, it's apprentice. I had this opportunity. You can go out and find these opportunities. It's easier said than done for sure, but you gotta be there to get the opportunity, right? So number two was the apprentice. Had the opportunity, I took it, and I learned from somebody who was at a much higher level so I can decide for myself what that format of the business is that works for me personally, right? And I'll go on a little aside here before I go into the next two, this thing has to really fit your personality. And I know I might be talking about something that you could spend four to 12 hours a week on um, outside of your job, but for real, you want this thing to fit your personality through and through and do it in a way where it does, right? If your side hustle requires you to talk to people all day long, but you're a little bit more introverted and would rather not talk to people and be behind the scenes, then that side hustle is probably not for you. You see what I'm saying here? So you want this to fit your strategy as well as your personality, right? And this is, we say this for podcasts. This is a framework that we help, um, that we use to help people decide if they should start a podcast. But really think about that balance between your personality and your strategy, because think about it. If you're going to choose to do something, whether it's a side hustle, main hustle, whatever it is, I mean, it's your choice. So you might as well choose something that fits you um, at least right now fits your personality. If you can think more long-term, great, but that's a little bit difficult when you don't really know where this thing's going to go. But I'm hoping this framework will help that. So number three is, you would think that these would be switched, but number three is begin. And what I mean by that is you have to just begin. You don't have to make a decision to do something. Um, but a lot of people, when they go and start something on the side, they'll start something like 
an LLC or they'll say, ah, I don't have my LLC yet. I can't do it. You can be a 1099 freelance contractor and make as much or as little money as you want. You don't need to start an LLC. An LLC is an excuse for most people. It's a business, yeah, it legitimizes you as a business, but when you've sold tens of thousands or even up to six figures um, not having a business, then you realize that you could also um, start as a freelancer and that's not really an excuse. That was a quick aside there on the LLC thing, so don't let that stop you. You can register yourself as a 1099 freelancer, pay taxes just like everybody else, and until you get up to that super high income level, you know, whatever, probably six figures plus, then the LLC is going to start to make a lot of sense or if you have people working for you. But just to start out, you can start selling stuff. You don't have to pay taxes if you make money on $600 or less. So, before you get to that $600 mark especially, don't worry about the logistics of this. Um, just worry about building the actual thing. But coming back to my own experience, what I did was I started. I began, right? I started to talk to people about podcasting. I started to post content on LinkedIn, and we're going to get into the brand um, portion of this as well in the demand generation. But what I did was I got on I got on LinkedIn. I chose LinkedIn as a platform. Don't really know why. Um, I used it as an, at another company and I was kind of intrigued by it. So I started there and I just started talking to people. I started giving people advice for free. Um, I still give people advice for free to this day. If you you know see me on the street or whatever, you're connecting with me on a call, probably going to give you some podcast advice just in passing. But what I did was I essentially did consultations without even knowing it. People were asking me questions. I was answering them. After the call, they would let me know that I helped them. I would ask them for a written testimonial, um, which is basically review. And this is without them even giving me any money. So I got testimonials before I ever made money. And once again, a lot of people are doing this stuff backwards. I got an LLC. I got to build my product. I got to build my service. It's not, you don't have to do that. Um, and, and when you're doing that, if you don't, if you haven't sold the thing to anybody, you have no idea if it's valuable. So if you could sell it for free, then you're going to know if it's valuable or not. If you're selling it for free and people are giving you positive feedback, then you can probably get paid for it. Um, but the fourth portion of this is decide. And like I said, I alluded to this, you would think they would be switched, right? You would think it would be um, identify, apprentice, decide, begin. But it's not. It's identify, apprentice, begin, decide. So do the thing for free in that, say, year, right, of after your nine to five, <clears throat> say you're consulting on, Whatever. So consulting on social media marketing for gardeners or something like that. Then on the side, you're going to start to talk to people who are gardeners and be like, hey, do you need help with your social media? Are you trying to grow your brand? Um, let's talk. I'd love to give you some free advice. You're doing that right in this portion of time that you've set for yourself to just try it out and sell it for free. So you don't just have to consult. You can also go talk to gardeners in person. You can also go to gardening events and talk to people there. What you're doing is kind of gathering this market research, but you also don't have to be confined to one thing because you don't have a business yet. Nothing exists, right? So in that period of time, that, that begin period, right, that step three, that's when you can just mess around. Maybe you make a course. Maybe you make a little ebook. Maybe you sell, um, you know, a, a, a one pager sheet on, you know, the the three social media marketing tactics. Maybe you get on some calls. Maybe you go to some industry events. Right? I mean, there's no gatekeepers here. You can do whatever you want. And once again, you don't have your business solidified. You haven't decided yet. And that's why I think the decide piece is so important um, as the last piece and not as the um, third piece of this framework, what that entails is you get to this point. 
when you realize things start to become obvious to you. And this is a skill that you're going to have to hone yourself. (laughs) And I'm not going to say that's easy and I'm not going to say that I'm good at it. But you're going to become better at recognizing opportunities. And what that means is that you're going to look back at that six months to a year of selling for free and you're going to identify the best moments and where you gave the most value, right? And it's going to become obvious what that thing is that you're the best at. It's going to begin to match your strategy with your personality as you continue to do this, right? So that's on you. Nobody can really teach you how to identify opportunity and then go capitalize on it. Always easier said than done. But that intuition is going to grow inside of you. It's going to build inside of you. And you might be, you might not need this, right? You might not have needed this last minute and 30 seconds. You might just be good at that. <laughs> you might be good at seizing, seeing an opportunity and going and executing it. And if so, great. If not, Keep it in the back of your mind of it's going to present itself to you. If it feels forced, it's not going to work. Once again, if it feels forced, it's not going to work. So in that final stage of the side hustle, you're now realizing what is obvious, which is where you gave the most value, where you had the best experience, where somebody, a client had the best experience. And this can be in any business where you went to a trade show and sold 30 of these one products and only one of the other one. It's going to be obvious. Then, this is the hard part. There might be a portion of this business that's a lot of fun. But it's not the thing that you're the best at. In that case, it may be hard to decide. But you're going to have to do it. So, step four, decide. From that point, that's when it gets real. Because <laughs> you're probably making a good amount of uh, of money here. And I don't mean tens of thousands. I mean hundreds of dollars. If you're making hundreds of dollars from your side hustle, you're already ahead. The market's already telling you you have something. Well, at this point, you're probably getting into the thousands, maybe thousands of dollars in revenue. Hey, if it's more, amazing, right? I'm just speaking from my own experience. It was hundreds of dollars a month until it was thousands of dollars a month, until it was reaching five digits a month, right? So, That was my presentation (laughs) of the four-step side hustle process, and I hope that this allowed you to gain some clarity on one way to do it. I will probably screenshot my notes and include them in the description here just so you can see how how I wrote it out. Um, It's pretty crude, but it is there, Um, the four steps just to get a visual. But once again, identify, apprentice, begin, decide. Those are the four steps. Um, Let me tell you where people get caught up. The number one thing, listen, Gary Vee could give you most of this advice, so I'm trying to stick to the stuff that that I can give you from my own life, but people just don't wait long enough, okay? I mean, I had months where I made $1,000, and the next month I made zero, the next month I made 200 I mean, my, for the last three or four years of my life, my revenue has been like this. And for the people just listening, I'm, I'm making mountains with my finger, <laughs> the ups and downs, right? The hills and the valleys. Um, that's what it's been, right? That's what it's been like. I just had my most difficult three months ever in business um, about two months ago. And I pull, I had savings, luckily. I pulled it from savings. I, we got by. We pushed through it. And then we had one of our best two months ever. So those are the ups and downs. That, when you have a nine to five, 
when you're employed and have a job, those ups and downs don't really exist. If you've never been laid off in 10 years, you don't know what ups and downs are like. That's good. That's fine. You just now doing this thing, you're going to learn it, right? So most people, where most people get caught up is they don't wait long enough. Um, They try to force it, right? Like I alluded to, they try to do something that doesn't really fit them because they think that they need to start an e-commerce store because a guy is messaging them on Instagram um, about how to get this started and make 5K a month in three months, okay? That happens. (laughs) So don't get caught up. If you think that the random Instagram ad is your calling, it's probably not, right? It's probably not the shiniest object. It's probably that dull, dusty object in the corner. You dust it off a little bit. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. That's it. <laughs> That's the thing, okay? Um, listen, for me, it was podcasting. Like I said, I'm trying to tie back to my experience here. I not only am obsessed with consuming podcasts, listening and watching them all day, every day. That's what I do. You know, before and after work, walk, it's, I'm walking, I'm working out, whatever. I'm consuming podcasts. I love them. And then I also love making them. So I, it was something that fits me perfectly, right? And I happen to find that thing. But there is that thing for you. If you, chances are you probably already have it and you just don't know it. And that's where that intuition piece comes in. But where people get caught up, they don't wait, wait long enough, they force it and they don't take the time um, to really identify what that thing is. You can use friends and family. Ask them, hey, what am I good at? What could you see me doing? I want to make a little money on the side or I want to start something on the side that I enjoy doing. What could you see me doing? They're going to tell you exactly what you should be doing. Exactly. Trust me. Um, The power of people is real. I say the power of the podcast is real, but ultimately the fundamental layer here is the power of people. So all those things, I won't cover them again. Those are where people most likely get caught up. And I'll tell you one cheat code that's going to accelerate this. And it is a fundamental piece of all successful businesses, which is demand. Where does demand come from? It comes from your brand. So what does that mean for you? That means that if The Rock starts a tequila, it's going to sell out. It's going to be successful, okay? If you start a tequila and you have 400 followers, it's going to be difficult to sell it, right? Because you don't have the brand and you don't have the demand. How do you build that? You have to give people something that's worth watching or listening to. But what if you haven't done anything yet? Then the only thing you have is what you have done or you are doing. If you're on month six of selling custom websites, you're above the person that's on month two, right? They want to learn from you. You're six months in. I'm only two months in. What do you know that I don't know? They're going to be consuming your stuff. The same framework applies, right? And I, it's difficult to get into the entertainment realm, which is like the entertainment podcasts and, and just entertainment content in general, comedy content. That's a little bit more up in the air than, say, um, you know, straight value-based business content that's pretty much cut and dry, right? Um, what, I, what I'm referring to here, which is the time period. So it turns out that whatever your thing is, you're probably farther than somebody. And if you're not, if you don't want to talk about your expertise, just talk about how it's going. Hey, what's going on? I'm <laughs> 23 and I'm trying to build uh, a website business. I'm in month five. Like you've seen these TikTok videos of these people. They do it way better than I do. But they're just talking about what they're doing in the moment. And 
where if you want to build i'll skip you to the end here if you want to build the best brand and you want to create demand you have to have a, an angle and an opinion right consistency is implied with all of this like i said people don't wait long enough and they think that they're going to do uh they're trying to do the least amount and get the most result which doesn't exist when you're starting you have to do the most and get the least result and over time it's going to compound so the consistency, right? But also these people have an angle. They have a brand because of their opinions and what they've done and what they say about what they've done and what they say about what their clients have done. They're not really speaking out of turn. You'll notice that some of the top creators, like, listen, Gary Vee's not telling you to do NFTs because he's not in NFTs. He's telling you to do NFTs because NFTs made him a billion dollars, right? So that's, he's talking about what he's doing. Look at all of it. If you look at all of his videos, He's always talking about what he's doing, and I'll name them too. Listen, Ed Milet, Alex Hermosi, Justin Welsh, if you're on LinkedIn. Um, there's massive TikTok influencers that do this, and I'm not too familiar with. I'm not on the platform. But if you look at the top, you don't have to emulate the top, right? But that's a big point to make in terms of why they are at the top. It's not, it's you know, they've compounded over time. It's not just the fact that they have great opinions, but that is a very, very big piece of that puzzle. So that's what you can do. I'll say, I'll add this one thing in here just off the top of my head. If you're having any trouble starting, whether it's content, business, um, side hustle, whatever, um, building a brand, just find people who, find those people. Find those people who are six months, two years, six years ahead of you, 16 years ahead of you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to give you advice. They're accessible. We live on the internet now. This is on the internet. You're watching this, listening to this because of the internet. Okay, shout out to Childish Gambino, man. That album is great. This allows you to talk to people, right? This allows you to talk to anybody. You have access to anybody. If you can't hit them on Instagram DM, find them on Twitter. Find the platform where they have the least amount of followers. Okay, if you want to access, if you want to access somebody on the internet, find the platform where they have the least amount of followers and start to contact them and reach out to them there. It might turn out that you have more followers on one platform than they do. And then you could start to begin to figure out how to get their attention. Email is a great way as well. There's a lot of softwares that you can use to find people's email addresses. But what I'm saying is there's no excuse for you to not talk to somebody that's further along in the journey than you. All right. So we just went through the side hustle. We went through the demand and the brand side a little bit. Um, I have more steps for the side hustle. Um, I only gave you the beginning framework. So in the next uh, solo Bobcast episodes, if you enjoy this, um, if I get some comments down below, just let me know that um, that this is content that you enjoy consuming. Or if you hit me in a DM, just let me know and I will continue um, on that series. Uh, so definitely going to appreciate your feedback there. And once again, this is a 100% listener supported show. So the best thing that you can do to keep this show going um, and for me to just bring on the best guests and deliver this type of content is for you to share it with other people um, because the networking effect um, brings more people in, which allows everybody to grow um, and deliver better content. So just want to say that as an aside before I move on here. So the next thing I want to cover is a question that I got. Um, I'm sorry that I'm uh, forgetting. I believe Lupe Dragon had the side hustle question. Um, I'm forgetting who uh, submitted this one, but it was the next generation. And I'm not going to cover the entire next generation, but I will say this. There's a lot of kids that have no excuse. Okay, so they are creating by default. My generation, I'm 24 now, 
we're in an in-between spot where we, we came, we, the, we grew up with the internet, but it wasn't like this. These kids are growing up with the internet like this, okay? We were sending Snapchats and we thought that was cool. It wasn't addictive yet. Our generation grew up with the internet where it wasn't addictive yet. And we got addicted to it in our 16 to 24s. These kids are already there. They're living in it. This is the world, right? Everything is like this. Um, everything is like this for us too because we're checking our shit all the time because we're addicted too. But um, these kids are understanding, okay? And they're seeing what works and they're replicating it. So I'm not talking about the generation. On I'm not going to talk about this next generation, um, the pros and cons or the side effects. I am sheerly talking strictly talking about the fact that they don't have any excuse to to not make content. They just do it. They just make it. Now, is it all successful? Obviously not. But they're at least in an age where it's normalized. Content creator, if you ask a kid what they want to be, they want to be a YouTuber or a content creator most of the time. If it's not sports figures, it's YouTube people and content creators. And you know what? There's a lot more YouTube content and entertainment content out there than there is sports content. So there's probably even more kids who want to be, would rather strive to be that than strive to be an NBA player. I think there's definitely a balance, but for sure this thing's taken over. But I, what I'm saying is I think we can take some advice from this next generation. Now, they're going to be insanely addicted. Like I said, I can't speak on the psychological effects of what they're going through, but I will say there's a lot of young people on TikTok with big-ass brand deals who are making more money per year than their parents are making, and there's something to be said about that. And the next generation, it's not weird. It's completely normal. And so they're going to kill on the internet. They're the, the next generation in the internet is primed to be the next generation of the internet because they don't know it before. Everybody starting to create now is bringing all their old shit to the internet. This is a new thing, right? It's not, the internet's not new, but this social media age, the addictiveness, right? The ability to literally post one TikTok and get 100,000 followers, that's new. You are bringing your old stupid bullshit to this and that's why it's failing. I'm not successful on TikTok. I've been successful on other platforms for sure, but I tried it. We did like 30, 40 videos. It didn't work because I was bringing my podcast shit to TikTok. I got to get that out of my brain and I got to go make a TikTok, right? So that's the problem with the people who aren't indoctrinated immediately. These kids are already indoctrinated. They're good. They're ready to go. And I think the question probably was more so, what are the concerns I might have? I can touch on it a little bit. Um, this is not good. I mean, there's nothing good about sitting and being addicted to this and looking at it all day. It's just, there's not, there's not, there's nothing good psychologically or physically about that. Um, mentally, there might be arguments. I think mentally it's, it's probably mostly deleterious too, but you're learning a lot on there. I wouldn't be here without the phone and the computer, right? I wouldn't have done anything, um, that I've done in the last five years without it. Um, so the downsides are obvious, suicide rate is up, right? I mean, suicide of of that age group, I don't have the details in front of me, but it's up. Um, childhood depression and childhood mental health, it's at an all-time high in terms of the, you know, how many kids are being diagnosed with these things, right? So there's an obvious downside to all of this that I am not willing to ignore, nor would I ignore. But without being an expert in that area, 
all I can really speak on is the upside and the positive and how it relates to what we've talked about today. So the next generation is primed. They're primed to succeed in this. And we'll see. The downsides are unfortunate, but I am also excited for the upsides and to see what they're going to do, um, what this next generation is going to do on the internet between podcast content, music, you name it, influencers. It's going to be interesting to see. So I want to touch on a couple things um, before we wrap it up here. Chris Fennell, I do remember this one, guitar simulators. So I might, if, if um, I'll explain this in a way to make, try to make sure that you don't tune out, but we'll see what's up. Um, so what it is, um, Chris Fennell asked me my opinion on basically virtual guitar amps versus real guitar amps. I probably spent most of my time playing guitar on regular amps, probably spent a third of my time playing on virtual amps. I'll say this for the type of guitar player that I am, I'll take a virtual amp all day. Um, I do some live sound. I do some live guitar. I've done it. I've been on stage doing it before. It's fun. But most of my time is playing guitar, making beats, or uh, just messing around. The ability for me to click through from one amp to a completely different amp is amazing. I just, I love it. It fits me. I can do it right on my computer. Um, I can put it into a song right there. I just love the simplicity of it. So for for the type of player I am, I love the simulated guitar amps. Um, But do I also love to play on a great amp? I do, but I sold my amp. I had an amp and cab and I sold it to Tret. Um, so <laughs> he has it now. Um, so he's going to use it more than me. It really comes down to what, what I'm going to use and how often. And I just wasn't using it. Guitar simulated amps uh, are the way to go for me. So last one, creativity while running a business. This is from Aaron. I my If you look at my creative output, over the last three or four years of running a business, if you looked at it on paper, it would be lower. But it's actually higher. Because when I chose to do this business full-time, I had everything is creativity-based. It just doesn't seem like that. So everything is based on um, finding new ideas and new ways to do things that nobody else is doing you have to create your own idea and so you have to create something that's never been created before from scratch it's very similar to creating music or creating art and I've realized that I've been flexing the muscle now it wasn't in the same way instead of writing music I was writing content I was writing LinkedIn posts, which I do every day, about podcasting and building my brand. So I was still, I was writing more than I'm, I've written more words than I've ever written in my life. But when you look at the, my music, that side, the passion side, right? The songwriting, the music production, um, the, the vocals, the singing, the beats, all of that, that technically has gone down for sure. But I do think that I've used more creativity in my business. Now, this is a pro and con. This is a priorities thing. And I personally have not figured it out yet. What I want to do in terms of the business, the podcast, the music, my thought process is that it is going to combine into one thing. um, And that's going to be the thing. How that's going to happen, I'm not sure. But it's a great question. When you do start to dedicate your time to something, say a business or something like this, um, your attention is going to be pulled away from everything. So, 
keep that in mind as well. That's another one. Um, next time, thank you. First of all, thank you for tuning into this as an experiment. So we're going to see how this does. Like I said, definitely leave me some feedback um, because that's going to make allow me to know if I should make another one or keep making these maybe um, if they're doing if people like them, if you're taking value, let me know. Um, if you're not, let me know. I'm down for any feedback, um, critical feedback, whatever it ends up being. Um, next time, we're going to cover content. I got a question on how do you record a ton of content and do it consistently, something along those lines. We're going to cover that. And I think that is a perfect way to segue from the side hustle into content because that's probably your next move. Then we're going to talk um, probably about my business a little bit um, and maybe the evolution of that. Um, talk about how a podcast production company works. We can go into that as well. Um, and then I got an, a question about my music progression. Um I definitely have some thoughts on it, but the thoughts aren't totally, completely coherent right now. So I would love to cover that one on the next one too. Make sure to submit your questions. You can do it through a direct message. I'll screenshot it and make sure to throw it up on the podcast. And also, you know the deal. The best way to help the show, if you find this valuable at all, is to just share it with somebody. Obviously, follow and subscribe if you want to tune in next time, um, but would be fantastic if you shared this with somebody who might find it valuable. So... This has been The Experiment, The Ugly Couch Chronicles, Sully Bop, Ryan Sullivan, Bopcast, Podcast Principles. You know the deal. That's what we represent. That's what we do. And uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. All of the links for everything are in the description. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace.